Hey friends, welcome to my podcast, Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. In this podcast, we explore all of the totally unexpected ways life seems to change as we inch closer to midlife. Most of our episodes are geared toward women in their late 30s to early 50s, and we talk about things like relationships and sudden career changes, making space for new life goals, making peace with the past, and coming to terms with all that weird stuff that happens to our bodies as we get older. I hope you'll finish each episode feeling inspired, informed, and empowered. I'm so excited that you've tuned in, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Midlife Plot Twists. So let's get started. All right, so I am super excited this morning. Well, actually, it's not morning at all. It's morning where she is to have um, my very first podcast guest. This is Renee Shea, and she is an old dear friend. I guess I could say at this point, it's been several years, right? (laughs) It sure has. (laughs) So Renee is, among other things, an amazing photographer based in, I don't even remember what town you're in, in Australia. Yes, I'm in Brisbane, Queensland. Okay, that sounds so much more lovely than I will say. (laughs) 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 Brisbane, Queensland, Queensland or Queensland? Queensland. Queensland. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> um, Renee and I met online in a our very first photography course. How many years was that? 2012? I think it was 2012. Oh so my gosh. That's, that's some time. It was so long ago. And we were babies as photographers together. And I am so excited to have her on this podcast because the whole point of this podcast is all about transformation and this idea of having like plot twists. And Renee has met her midlife plot twists with the most grace and poise and the most beautiful transformation. So I am just thrilled to have you on. Also, I just love to hear your accent. So any chance I can get to hear it is exciting for me. So Renee, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you, your work. Um, I know you're, you're, you're a mom too. Please tell me about all of that. Sure. Now, thank you, Lucy. This is really exciting. I um, am a photographer. That's my first thing, but I focus on branding photography. And so I work specifically with women in business um, or women who want to be change makers in the world in some way. I've for a long time done work on their photography um, to help you know, with their social media and with their websites and so forth. But along with that built um, a whole, I don't know what you call interest in the personal branding space. And that has led me to really deep dive into what personal branding is and how it's so intrinsically tied with self-awareness, with understanding who you are and being confident in who you are and how you show up visibly in the world. So my work over the last couple of years has really gone from being focused solely on photography to also helping my clients and guiding them through a process of understanding who they are and, and the impact that they want to make in the world. So it's been a really, um, it's been a really gorgeous process for me because it has, as we will, I'm sure, get into it um, mirrored a lot of the journey that I've taken as well Um, apart from that I um, I am a proud 
side hustler. So I work mm-hmm. as well at the moment for half the week in a learning and development role for our, our state government service. Um, I also am a, like Lucy mentioned, I'm a single mummer of two and they are my beautiful little um, angels sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. And uh, well, I think that's the most, the big parts of me. I love it. Hmm. I love that. That is that you're, I mean, that's like, that's you on paper, right? Yeah. (laughs) There's so much more, but um, that's exciting. I mean, I've in particular, you know, again, because we started out as like baby photographers together. um, We were still learning how to like, how to use the buttons on the camera together. It was like Mm -hmm. that basic. And now when I see your work, it's so vibrant. It's so full of life. It's so, um, it translates so well because I can feel the energy that you're trying to capture for each individual. And I know that that doesn't come easily. There's a process of going from learning how to use the buttons on your camera all the way to being an accomplished photographer and um, capturing personality in an image. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what that process was like for you. Um, cause yeah, I, I watched it, but you know, our listeners did not get to see that beautiful transformation. Yeah. It's interesting. I know I, um, you know, there's a point at which once you've learned the buttons and you can take a photo that is, you know, exposed correctly and is in focus. They're kind of like the basics, they're foundations, but that doesn't actually give a photograph life Mm -hmm. or it doesn't show the meaning. It's purely just the skill. And um, I think once I hit that point, I went through a process where I was really dissatisfied with the work or the photos that I was creating because I was, you know, surrounded by people who had this really artistic eye and were creating these great um, storytelling kind of images. And I I felt really poorly, I guess, for my own work because I'm like, I don't see that in my work. Um, and I think that was, and that was actually part of the very first transition for me into, it's going to sound so like planned, but it's not, um, <laughs> into the personal branding space, right? Mm-hmm. So. I did um, a lot of introspection where I looked at my work and I looked at um, what I liked about my work, what other people liked about my work and started to get some themes. Right. And for me being the most skilled photographer was never the most important thing. I am certainly not a gear geek. I don't like my machine. My camera is old and it's like so bit battered. It's not, funny. Um, and I'm certainly not somebody who creates fine art pieces, but what I did settle on was the fact that I like, I live, breathe color. That's just me. Um, and the fact that my, my skill or my joy was in seeing expression and seeing emotion in photographs and genuine expression and emotion, not necessarily a story of those things, but just actually capturing somebody for who they are. And I think where I was very fortunate is that that lent into one of my natural skills, which was about putting people at ease and about making people feel comfortable because that meant that as I started to progress down that path, I was able to start eliciting some of the more natural expressions, which is, yes, thank you. One of the things that I have since become 
recognized in my work for doing. But that was, that was a really big journey for me was letting go of the, well, I'm not going to be what would be traditionally a fine art photographer, or I'm not going to be somebody who creates deep, moody, meaningful imagery. And, you know, there is this perception, I guess you get of what is good art and, the acceptance that mine was not going to be art, but was going to be more in the, I don't know, the lighthearted pop side of art. And that's not a bad thing, but it was, it was definitely a mindset shift for me. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I've seen as I've watched you grow as an artist over the years. I mean, we were back in the day, we were the ones having conversations with each other about, are we even allowed to call ourselves photographers yet? <laughs> so exactly. for, to hear you speak with, with such confidence about your work at this point, it's just, it's lovely. I, I'm so excited about it. I love that you mentioned color and and paired that with personality because I do see that as a big part of your brand. And I, I know I kind of want to transition to how did you come to that place of acceptance and understanding of your own brand before you were able to um, help other people see it in their, in themselves? Like what was that process like for you? I'm going to try and keep it short, but it was a very, a process over a couple of years because what it was, was, and I've had, um, in my attempts at building a side business, a number of different side businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and photography was about the third one down the list. Yeah. Um, I had a tr- various attempts at event styling, all that kind of stuff, um, managing corporate events and even HR. And none of them sat. They all failed very dismally and very quickly. And I think um, now when I look back at it, it's because none of them were me. So I, I set up these businesses with the aim of doing something because I wanted to do something, not because I wanted it to be a reflection of who I am or wanted to do work that was meaningful for me. And so when it got to the point where I was turning my, my side hobby of photography into something, um, it was a slow and steady process and because I wanted it to be more me, basically. But what happened was... And this is what happens to a lot of people, regardless of what business they're in, is they start looking at Instagram and they start looking at those things and go, okay, well, I'm a photographer, so I need to copy these components of this (laughs) business. Um, I need to have this pretty um, pastel watercolored looking logo and I need to um, use these presets because they give a nice finish that people like. Mm -hmm. And so, and look, I think that's just part of the journey these days is because I see, I see people who, um, talk with me and new photographers in the space do the same thing. So it's obviously just part of the journey, but it it muddies the water of accepting who you are and what you bring. And I think more than anything, um, artists and creators are, we're the epitome of the personal brand because it is who we are, what our skills are and how we see the world and how we interact with it. That is actually what we create in our art. And so to deny those things is actually to our own detriment and to the detriment of the work that we create. Um, And so when I started this process that I mentioned before about understanding what my style was, I started to get some really strong themes, I guess. And it was all driven by my photography. So it was things like, like I say, the colour, it was... um, expression and emotion it was fairly simple 
photos. And when I started creating and listing these words, I, it was immediately obvious to me that these were things that I was in my own life. My house or myself has always been someone who is drawn to color. Mm. Um, I am always expressive in how I, how I approach things. And it became, was a very surprising step for me, I guess, to go, okay, well, the photos that I like and that people around me like the most are the things that are actually a stronger reflection of me. And I think that was the starting point. That was where I went, well, let's see who more of me is. And if that can then translate into not only my brand, but my work, because I think initially I was more concerned about the style of my photographs, but as, as that transitioned, that became more about my brand. Absolutely. And uh, so let's step back a little bit um, even further, because as I'm hearing you talk about the brand transformation, I am also aware that you had some pretty major life transformation <laughs> kind of overlapping with this yes. as well. And so I think to give it context, we should just dive into, tell me sure. about, I mean, your, your plot twist. Okay. So we should back up. How old are you? <laughs> I am 42. 42. Thank you very much. I am 38. So we're putting it all out on the table. Um, so in the past several years, over the course of the eight years that I've known you, you have had some, again, midlife maybe isn't a fair judgment on what the space of life that we're in, but that's what I'm calling it. So I don't yeah. care. And uh, you've had some, some pretty major midlife sure. plot twists yourself. So can you talk about that and how that influenced all of this? And it's funny because if you are somebody who believes in what is your universal life path, these things all happened around the same time. Absolutely. So it was um, as I was digging into starting to understand my photographic style that my marriage started falling apart. Mm. Um, and so in, I was 38 and I had been with my partner for almost 20 years. Wow. So I had been very, um, very much established as one of one of two. And so to leave that created a whole new opportunity um, because what that meant was that I was now in the deep end about discovering who I am. Um, and that was a huge plot twist. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one how they all kind of came about at the same time. So sometimes it's a bit messy in my brain um, mm -hmm. to distinguish what was which. But yes, as a result of that... I was now establishing myself as a single person and what that meant for me and my family, uh, what that meant for um, how I provided and then what that meant for who I was. And I think part of the challenge of being somebody who is, you know, from a long, a long line of people pleasers um, who have has fallen into a relationship at a young age, who that was, who I was, for me, not for somebody else. Well, that boy, did that lead to some big things? Um, <laughs> it's funny when you're in it that you don't see it, but now I can see, and especially with, you know, hindsight being an amazing thing, but also the reflection and the conversations I've had subsequently with, you know, close friends and family about how they saw that transition. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was a process of, it was a forced process, but it was a process of self-discovery. And 
it is definitely that process that I take into my work with my clients. Um, I tell, you know, I'm quick in saying you don't need something as big as divorce to actually make it happen. Um, Mm. And, you know, it doesn't need to be an earth shattering plot twist, but it could certainly be the stake in the sand um, where you go, nope, from here on in, I'm looking, I'm looking this way and I'm going to figure out who the heck I am. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, it sounds like as, as a part of this transformation for yourself, you have also opened yourself up to holding people's hands through their own plot twists as well. I guess I kind of want to step out of talking about your journey for just a second. Does, does this mm-hmm. resonate with you? This whole idea of like people's lives change around oh, age 40? Like what, what are you seeing absolutely. right now? What's out there? Yeah, look, I would say a large portion of my clients are and they're within that 35 to 50 age bracket. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of them come to me because they are having a big life change. Sometimes it's kids leaving home. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, you know, getting to that point in their jobs where they're just sick of it and they want to start something else. Other times it's a little bit more, you know, I'm just not fulfilled anymore. I don't know what I want. I've lived so long, you know, for the children, husband job. I've lost touch of who I am. And so I think it's definitely in that space. And I, I am a, what's that line about your, your vibe attracts your tribe. Um, I I can't tell you whether or not it's the reason that they follow me and what I'm attracting, or if it's just, you know, what happens at this age. But I talk a lot about my, my situation. I talk a lot about my growth, not even necessarily growth because sometimes it's sideways. Let me tell you Um, my (laughs) discoveries about myself because growth sounds a little too fancy and egotistical for what really is a messy process. And there is definitely people out there, women out there who are craving that sort of connection, that sort of realness and the ability to talk about things that we think we probably should know, but we don't. Um, (laughs) and, and it's like, for me, as I kind of mentioned earlier, one of the, and I goodness knows why this is the case, but one of the skills that I have is the ability to put people at ease and I get told all sorts of things. And I think that's part of the joy of it is that people, um, we want connection. We, um, we so badly crave meaningful connection with people. And when we get someone that we can talk to, or when we find a group of people that have that similar desire, we can go deep and go deep quickly. And I think that's a sign that there's people we want more basic women want more. We want more of that. And we don't, really in our day-to-day lives have that option so yeah i i love that that i mean that really sticks with me what do we what do we do with that (laughs) what's your takeaway from this whole weird weirdness like what what now i think yeah look i think and without going on major sidetrack but i think one of the challenges and this is this is i don't think we talked about this in preparation (laughs) So I'm just going to roll with it, right? Go, go One all of the way really in. interesting things that I found when I was coming out of my separation mm-hmm. and, you know, you've got all of the, all of the messy emotions going on. And I stumbled in Pinterest because, you know, why not <laughs> waste too much time in Pinterest <laughs> on this um, image of the masculine and feminine energies right? So whatever you want to call it, light and shade, yin and yang. And one of the images had this list of traits that was clearly the feminine energy and those that were clearly the masculine energy. Mm 
And as I looked at it, I'm like, wow, I am, I've always been somebody who people go, oh, you're so confident. And it really inside, it's completely the opposite. It's a mess. But when I looked at it, the things that I felt confident on, the things that I got recognized as being confident on were all the masculine traits. So things like being um, achievement driven, things like being able to get things done, um, to provide, to, to ensure that, you know, things were processed, proceeding safely. Do you know what I mean? So all of those things, but the things on the feminine side, things like about being receptive, about being the nurturer, about being soft, I guess, for lack of a better word, where I'm like, I just felt so bad about it. Like I had nothing in the tank for those traits. And it started for me um, part of that more spiritual journey, I guess, about trying to understand the both sides of me and why was I so confident in one and not the other. And for me, it's all about the, our life, our world is focused on um, valuing certain things. And it just so happens that all of those things are the very masculine things about, you know, getting things done at work. You get recognized and rewarded for achievement and for progress and for, uh, I don't want to say climbing, but for, I guess, achievement is the way to go. Yeah. Ambition. Yeah. Our society is, is established. And this is, uh, we can go down this patriarchy rant. Our society (laughs) is established and based on the recognition and reward of certain traits. And the flip side of that is though, is the ones that is the feminine, you know, there is no good job badge for being a good mother. Cause you can't even freaking tell if you're being a good mother. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no, you know, employee of the week for being um, a supportive, what do you call it? Home. I don't want to see, say housewife, but do you know what I mean? For, yeah. for keeping yeah. that house side of things going, you don't, there's so many, there's so many traits that we have, even in the office, in the work setting, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't get recognized necessarily for, Oh wow. You really supported your team to keep going. Do you know what I mean? It's so true. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, so we've got these traits that are feminine traits and they're not rewarded and recognized anywhere. So it's no wonder that we don't feel like we've got strength in this space. Mm. And so, um, that, that really has impacted me and impacted how I show up in my brand a lot. I talk a lot about sisterhood. I talk a lot about the power of connection and I'm look, and to be honest, I'm still really struggling on this side of things. So there's no, I have no answers. I just have where I'm going. Yeah. The vulnerability. That's what it is. Absolutely. And I have, I even recently just last week had a conversation with a male friend um, about my lack of a love life, basically. Um, And he was saying how, if he didn't know me, he would be scared of me because of my, my strength and independence. And I don't show the vulnerability very often. And so it was a reminder that even though mentally I've come a long way in this journey, I still have a long way to go. Oh, and we all do. and yeah, exactly. And I think to, to circle back to what your, your question was, is to me, it's all about creating opportunity and safe space to have those conversations, to say, it's all right to be vulnerable, to say, sometimes, you know, we need to be very conscious about accepting and rewarding the feminine in ourselves um, and in others, because it's, it's just lacking. It's just lacking so many ways. 
to say that that's a good thing. To be receptive is a good thing. To be gentle is a good thing. Oh. Yeah, I find it in so many ways missing. And it's, it's yeah, it's a big thing and I don't know how to fix it. But I think creating conversation about it, because again, like I say, when I, when I start talking to my clients or to just people who send me messages on Instagram and that kind of stuff, the desire is there to have these conversations and to feel the connection and collaboration with other women, not in a man hating way, because that is so not my, my bag, Mm -hmm. um, but in a let's, let's sit in circles, let's support each other. Let's just share the experiences that we've got so that we can help those around us not have to go through the same thing. Absolutely. I mean, I could sit and talk with you for hours about even no. just like I'm sitting and thinking like how many years I spent not even real. I mean, like I would, you, you get dressed, you get a shower, you put on a little makeup, you do your hair, but like, even as a mom, like not wanting to be too pretty, you know, because mm. like, almost that's, that's like putting your energy in the wrong space. And, and I should be like putting my energy only into my kids and my career and my house and all of that. But yeah, I think there does come a a phase of life where people, and I'm thinking, especially as, as two photographers talking to each other, where people want to be seen, women especially want to be seen. Mm. They want to be seen for both sides for the, their, you know, quote unquote, masculine sides, which are more like accomplishment driven, but also for that softer side, that pretty side, that, that, um, it's the emotion, it's the emotions. And that was the word that I was, I was struggling with before is it's, you know, we feel, and that's a good thing. And in the workplace, in so many, and so many forums in our lives, we're told that rational is best. Um, and that, you know, to feel is the weakness and there is such real power in feeling when it's, when it's seen for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Not when it's not seen as someone being hysterical, when it's seen as not somebody being flighty, but when it's seen as an energy that drives compassion an energy that drives protection of others and, and recognized for what it is. And I think, yeah, we just, we are told in so many ways to hold down so many of those components within ourselves. And I think fundamentally we crave it. It's, it's a funny little balance because like I say, I, I, I don't necessarily call myself a feminist, but I know I am. Um, (laughs) And I am all about equal value. It's about valuing things equally, not just valuing one more than the other. Yeah. But I love that. That makes perfect sense to me. So I know we have to be respectful of your time because if you've got your little ones actually in the room with you, <laughs> which is the life of a mom, that's how we function. So I wanted to kind of follow up with two questions. Uh, the first is if you could go back, visit your younger self and tell her anything, what would you like to impart to that, that younger self that doesn't have all this hindsight? Run! <laughs> <laughs> Run from what? <laughs> no. Um, oh my gosh. I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that's most, that has been the biggest lesson for me and that I wish I knew earlier was that 
and I find it even really hard to say because it's, it's still, it's still a sore point, but it's that you are enough. Mm. And it's like, I have, man, I've got it tattooed on my arm so that I can remember <laughs> it because it's how much it's, it's part of who I am, but it's to go, no, you are enough and things are going to happen. Life's going to change, but that's okay because the core of who you are is worth hanging on to and it's worth fighting for. And yeah, I think that's probably where I would focus it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, what you just said, you said um, the core, life's going to change, but the core mm. of who you are is is worth hanging on to. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, do you think that you would have gotten that at, in your 20s? Do you think you would have no. understood? Heck no. Um, <laughs> I wish I did, but look, I think, I was about to say, when you get to my age, which is not actually that old, um, but you know, it's hard sometimes to, to find the, 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 the difference between what is just age and maturity versus what is life experience versus what you've learned mm -hmm. um, because it becomes a whole melting pot. Right. But it's really true. When people say, as you get older, you care less. It's really true. <laughs> well, I think as a fellow aging, but not that old person, <laughs> I, I feel like there's, there's truth in that, that you care less about the things that are trivial mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and you, you also can find yourself caring a lot more about things that you took for granted in your younger years. So it's, it's a balancing act. It is because you care less about, you know, like what strangers on the street think about you, but be that's because you know exactly who you are more and more with every day. Yeah. And I think, and the, <laughs> Yeah. It, I mean, it's a, it's a pithy statement, but I think also the caring is for me anyway, has been a shift from caring less about those things, the small trivial things and caring more about big things. I don't think in my twenties I would have cared. And it sounds awful to say, like it sounds wretched to say, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have cared as much about the black Lives matters movement. Not because I didn't, care yeah but because so much of my mental energy was taken up with the trivial that it was like there wasn't enough space whereas now i'm like holy shit renee this is this is um and that's just an example that's just yeah that one sense. of the things right and, and it's like no this is this is stuff that's worth fighting for beyond some of the, the, the little things that you've focused your energies on in the past. And that's where I think my care has gone. Um, not to, not to the little things about, um, is this going to happen in the time frame that I want or, um, what's like you say, the stranger on the street going to say and think about me. Those things have definitely quietened, thankfully. Yeah. Because I'm much more interested in the big things. Absolutely. And I see that so much in your brand. And that actually is a great um, kind of segue into my next question, which um, I've, I've seen you, especially it's so it's so fascinating to me seeing people who live in other countries tackle this movement, the, the Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter movement in particular, because culturally, we are similar in a lot of ways, very different in a lot of ways, but I know I've seen you, you and your brand really take this to heart and um, do a lot of work to speak out. Tell me a little bit about that, what that means for you with your brand. And also, I don't know, um, 
I don't know if this is connected or not, but what, what's next for you? What, what are you hoping to do next yeah. with your work and um, what's next on the horizon? Yeah. So you're right. We have, we have a different, we do have a different experience of this, of this challenge. And I am by no means an expert on it, but you know, racism is an insidious thing that is everywhere. And for us, it shows up in uh, the treatment of our Indigenous cultures and also just in our immigrants. We have my particular my particular, I don't want to say interest because that sounds wrong. Focus area, I guess, mm-hmm. has been on um, a lot of the African migrants that we have, particularly in my home area, like around where I live, but also just in general. I feel like my fight is against racism, not necessarily a, a particular structure, but that's how I see it. That's how I see it in my, in my world show up the most is in access to people's access to opportunities and um, how they are treated differently based on the color of their skin. We have some massive, and I'm not going to downplay it because it's so big and it's so ugly, but we have some massive systemic issues in how our indigenous and Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples are treated, particularly in relation to uh, deaths in custody. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk on that because it's not my area of expertise. Um, but specifically when it comes to this particular fight, for me, it's about, I guess, highlighting some of the systemic beliefs that we, that we take in and that we assume are real because of our white privilege, because of the way that we are, our, our culture and our society has been established and those embedded behaviours and those embedded opportunities for people that, unless you're actually looking for it, you don't think, you don't think that you're getting any better opportunity than somebody else. But really when you dig in, you are, I'm, you know, I grew up in a small rural country town. I have parents who have been on and off um, our form of welfare for pretty much forever. Um, We, so many different forms. I'm female. I'm plus size. So, so many different forms of what would you call it? Lack of privilege. What's the opposite of privilege? <laughs> My brain's just gone. <laughs> no, that, that works. <laughs> Lack of privilege has been in my situation, right? Mm-hmm. No money, not, none of the normal stuff that you would normally picture. But at the same time, my opportunity has still been significantly better than if I had dark skin. And that being the only difference. And that's the fight that I think is important. So for me in the future, I'm... I'm building out my, my, not my services, but my support to support migrant women in business particularly. And it's about becoming equally visible in the playing field in Australia. Mm. So not just being the smaller, the smaller black business that might get some temporary, you know, showtime on someone's Instagram feed because it's cool at the moment, but being a black business that is, as effective and as visible as others because why the fuck not like seriously that's how it should be and it makes me so mad in a different like again we could go on for a very long time but it makes me so mad that the transient nature of supporting different business supporting businesses based on what is trending 
So yes, I know I'm rambling. I'm rambling at this point. So I want to try and <laughs> no, I love it. I hone myself in. I have so many questions too, and maybe you don't feel qualified to speak on this, but I mean, I don't even know what the racial demographics are like in Australia. And is there a lot of violence like there is in the U.S. or is it's there a, com- is it a different form? It's completely different. I mean, yes, there's violence. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, like you know, and like any minority group, we have an unfair distribution of wealth, which leads to increased areas of, or areas, suburbs and, and areas where there is definitely um, more violence. Those things are there. But I think one of the main differences, and this is just purely from my opinion, right? Yeah. One of the main differences is in the, the sheer number of people of colour. I probably didn't see somebody who was up until I think it was I think it was like late 90s I got a feeling it was in the 90s we we as in Australia opened up a lot more immigration from Africa so up until that point we had very few people we had um, immigration from China and some from India but we didn't have much in the way of people who were what you would genuinely call black Um, and I think so growing up it just was, there was just nobody around. We were such a heavily white country. Um, And yes, we had our indigenous uh, cultures, but the number of in the number of people in our population, like for my life just was really low. And I think, so that's probably been one of the biggest shifts for me is, is just, and from when I, watch the news or watch stuff coming out of the States is that the sheer percentage of people. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, and that's fascinating. I, I really, it always makes me feel ashamed to realize how little I know about other cultures. Um, oh, look, and I'm the same. It's my culture and I'm not answering properly. So <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating. I, I, I'm sure that there is huge historical elements that maybe neither of us are the experts to speak on, but just to think about what, first of all, the pride that I feel when I hear that the Black Lives Matter movement is is taking hold in Australia, you know, where like I I didn't even really know that. So that's amazing in itself. Hopefully a lot. I'm sure that there's a, if, if it's reached your photography business, then I'm sure that it is taking hold in lots of other ways where you live um, and lots of people are doing really good work, I hope. And um it's just uh, now I want to learn more. I'm going to go like try to yeah. find out what's going on over there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's like I say, it's a different history, but you know, racism is racism and intolerance and fear-based, um, you know, being scared of difference is huge. It's everywhere. Um, yeah. It just shows up differently here. I mean, I think till the late fifties, we had policies, we had the white Australia policy which was to stop any immigration of anybody that was not from very select countries to even come into the country. So, you know, we have our history and it's not nice. We have our, um, our amazing indigenous cultures that even I, as somebody who is Australian, who has, you know, my, I studied cultures in university. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, I don't know it. And that is a sign of how our system does not support our the education of our own history. Yeah. Uh, we even had throughout this throughout the movement recently, we had this debate that played out in the public space about did Australia have slaves? 
um, because obviously for the states this plays out as a very um, a big part of this entrenched disadvantage yeah and you know, we had we had politicians saying no, we didn't. We quite clearly we did. Do you know what I mean? So it's still very much in the discourse of denial for us. But yeah, it's so I think the wave of Black Lives Matters has certainly brought it to front of front of mind. But the the discussion here has to happen and it's just different. It's just a different conversation, but it's still freaking important. Yeah. I that's that's so good to know that it's happening in other places and mm. i'm excited to see hopefully the change that comes about i mean i know it's going to look different in different places some places there's going to be huge leaps and some places there's going to be setbacks mm. and that's it's a whole messy process but i just i really had no um awareness and and maybe i just need more australian friends to be honest <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that there is awareness happening in other places in the world. And, and I'm excited to see the work that you're going to be doing with it. I think that sounds really amazing and really important. And I hope that over time, you'll also be able to find partners to keep amplifying the voices of the women that Yes. Hoping to, to elevate because I think that's going to be a big piece of it. Renee, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, let you take care of your kids. So we're going to wrap this up, but before I let you go, um, I told you I was going to do this in the beginning and then I totally forgot. Um, ah. Can you please share all of the places that we can find your work online? Sure. So Instagram is probably where I hang out the most, which is Renee Shea underscore AU. So it's R-E-N-E-E-S-H-E-A underscore AU on Facebook. It's Renee Shea Branding um, and ReneeShea.com.au. That's me. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. You just helped me do my first podcast. So that's so woo woo. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Midlife Plot Twists. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and show some extra love by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on my website at lucybaberphotography.com or on Instagram at lucybaber. Thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to chat again soon. Until next time.